welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so happy you're with us today. You know, the whole reason why we enter these lifetimes on earth is just so we can learn and grow spiritually, which means quite simply to raise our personal consciousness vibrations from the ishy, fear-based lower end of the consciousness scale and toward the higher, more love-based end of the scale, just to give us a place where we can efficiently experience these spiritual stressors that we need to raise our consciousness vibrations away from, you know, fear and toward more perfect love is the reason why this universe even exists. In fact, it may be the only reason why it exists. And since we all are here to grow spiritually, and since vibration of the earth has sunk so low that the need for all of us to grow spiritually has become so urgent, we have invited back an exalted teacher who has spent his life researching and teaching spiritual growth. As you know, I I favor the easiest route. It turns out that religions are fear-based, so they can't do much for us spiritually, but just the teachings of Jesus are amazingly effective. And to me, that's the easiest way to go. I've shared what they have done for me and what they can do for you in the third book of my fun trilogy, which is called The Fun of Growing Forever. We can't transform the world until we transform ourselves. There are other methods too, as Jesus himself has told us, and and some of them can lead to an even deeper and more profound journey in spirit. And our guest today, who is here for the second time, is Michael Goddard. Michael has meditated, and he's been meditating since he was very young. In fact, I'm not sure this is true. I think he's pulling our leg. But Michael says he started meditating for two hours a day when he was in his early 20s. I was doing other probably more playful things when I was in my early 20s, and even today, I cannot meditate at all. But Michael is, was very serious, and he's he's serious even now. I, I don't know whether he's still doing this, but when we talked with him a couple of years ago, he was an inter- international tax consultant. Talk about a dry job. That was That was his public job. In his private time, Michael has devoted himself to his effort to achieve an ever deeper and an ever higher and more completely spiritual realized identity. His his latest book was called A New Now, Your Guide to Mastering Wisdom Daily, Achieving Equilibrium, and Empowering Your Nobler Self. Michael, welcome. It's so great to have you back with us again. Oh, Roberta, it's thrilled to be back, and I love how you introduced the show. I'm completely aligned with you. Yes. <laughs> well, well, actually, I began meditating uh, daily, twice a day, when I was 19. And 19. when I nineteen, oh, uh, and and that's uh, that's mainly when I was in England. I was having my junior year abroad, and then when I was twenty-one, I vowed to tithe my time to God by meditating two and a half hours a day, oh. um, which I've continued. Um, but I, I think most people can find if you can find two minutes. And A New Now is really full of helpful hints and ideas 
of, of how to raise your consciousness and be closer to the supreme being, whatever you want to call, what I call God, uh, the Lord, basically is love source with the S capitalized because it's sort of a neutral but descriptive word. So any, we're here for spiritual growth. I mean, the human form, uh, we're at the top of creation. I don't know if your listeners know this, but but the really exalted beings in the inner planes, like angels and, and higher spirits, they covet a human body because in a human body, this is your one chance to go back to God, to realize your, your godness. So we've we've won the ultimate lottery. Um, I don't know if people believe in reincarnation. In my spiritual memoir, In Search of Lost Lives, in which I relate recovering 80 of my past lives, it shows my spiritual evolution going back thousands of lives. And it also illustrates 12 lives when I when my bad actions outweighed the good. Uh, and I lost my human birth, and I, I was reborn as an animal. So this is a critical time, um, and you do so much um, good, good, Roberta, in helping people really realize uh, the, the value of their life and, and how to grow spiritually. And because people don't have often like a personal uh, teacher, who's really realized their highest consciousness, it can be a little bit daunting of how to lead a spiritual life. And you can lead your spiritual life literally wherever you are, there you are, grocery shopping, going to work. And and what Anu now does, and I started taking notes for the book um, when I had some downtime in between interviews with In Search of Lost Lives, it's the kind of book I realized I would want to leave if I had young children, youths who were 20. This is the this is the guidebook I would want to leave them if I was dying young, uh, let's say, of cancer. Also, for people who have spent their lives, if I had a sister who was just retiring and she devoted her life to raising a family and working and taking care of the house, this is the book I wouldn't leave her with. This this is a very simple, uh, straightforward book. I I clarify and elucidate what I call the thirty three wisdoms and the ten keys for achieving equilibrium. Really, wisdom is making best use of your higher knowing moment to moment. It's knowing really um, how to flow through life. So, I, from what I the feedback I've received, Roberta, is that the read is a very warm and encouraging read, and it gives you really key tools for developing your higher self. Um, <clears throat> one distinction I make early in the book is is about who, who we are, wh- how we identify. A lot of people identify with their minds. If they think thoughts, that's who they are. We're actually not our minds. Our actual self, our true self, our observer self is our soul. 
now to exist in the creation. And by the way, if it weren't for our soul, we wouldn't be alive. To come into the physical, uh, our mind and soul, which is knotted together, you know, comes into a human form. We grow in the womb and then we're born. But how I explain mine in the book is that we have a higher mind and a lower mind and and an habitual mind. Now, our higher mind is the mind that wants to be good, to be of service, that's kind. It's, it's, it's the part of you that expresses the, the virtues, the spiritual strengths. In my second book, Bliss, I clarify what I call the 33 essential virtues and spiritual strengths. And, and, this is the kind of person you want to be. Our lower mind is the mind that is completely ruled by the senses. People who are um, can be mean and backbiting. It's basically your negative mind. And um, everybody struggles with negative mind. Uh, and then I also name what is called habitual mind. And that's sort of your neutral mind. It's the part of you which shows up and, and it's actually doing good by doing duty. It's the part of you that will take out the garbage, that'll show up at work um, and just get on with life. So well, I, I thought the thing about this book that um, that I thought was really impressive is that it is so comprehensive. Um, it, it, it Anybody who's very, very serious about growing spiritually can use it as a handbook for everything. For yeah. Oh, thank you. Yes, that's very much what um, I had and uh, how I was led and directed to write it. I, From the, the feedback I've received and the endorsements, I, I cover virtually every kind of activity in life and, and how to respond knowingly to it for, for your own good. And that, that's important because many people don't even know how to begin. And so this sort of says, this is how, sort of how you can begin. This is how you can grow. If you have issues, here's how to get around the issues. Um, right. Like, I mean, that was just, important to me. Uh, yeah, for people yeah, who are trying to start out. Yes, absolutely. Just if, if I can read a few of the sections in the chapters, uh, chapter one is a new now and, it's, the sections are why this book, why wisdom, the power and potential of equilibrium, your spiritual foundation, and higher mind, nobler mind, better mind, uh, the power and rewards of commitment and engagement. And chapter two is the 11 living wisdoms. And the first wisdom, which is really essential, is the wisdom of humane interactions. Uh, the third one is the wisdom of being true to yourself. Uh, we really want to become good human beings. That's part and parcel of, of spirituality. But, but I can't get over the fact that you know, you're able to meditate. <laughs> I mean, to me, that is so astonishing. I can't control monkey mind long enough to do it. Uh, oh, well. Honestly, uh, to do it even for a few minutes. Uh, I, I really never have been able to do that. Well, it, it's really all about making a commitment. Um, but first, uh, if you're at all pulled to meditate, and I definitely cover this subject in the book, because um, 
people have all kinds of ideas about meditation. So I, I really help people clarify what is the reason, what is the object of why they want to meditate. And it's really important that you do a thorough search <clears throat> and find a practice you are most comfortable with. And really, Roberta, I feel that virtually everyone listening has the power, if you don't, has the power within themselves to really create their own meditation. I mean, if you want to meditate, you can just keep asking your higher self, you know, what what would it look like? What would it be? Would it be sitting down? Would it be watching my thoughts? Would it be visualizing something? That would be a very easy and safe way to start. Uh, the thing you would want to avoid is just kind of being persuaded by a person or a group or relatives into doing any kind of particular meditation. The, the, the theme... Uh, and the power that runs throughout Anu now is developing your higher sense of knowing, your intuition. And, and that's really the way to discover uh, whether you want to meditate and, and which meditation. Now, the kind of meditation I do uh, is probably not for everybody, but it, it very much relates to Jesus and what Jesus taught. You know, he was a, a true saint, as far as I know. And, you know, in the Bible, yes, which I'm sorry, yes. I said, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Now, he didn't write the Bible. Um, but, you know, one of the most powerful um, verses is in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So a lot of people are not clear what the word is. I once went to a literary uh, festival in San Francisco, and a woman uh, author got up and and said what Jesus meant was the written word. And, you know, I immediately had this picture of, of God relaxing on a fleecy cloud with one leg pressed over the other, uh, writing on a tablet, and felt how ridiculous that was. Um, right. Because, you know, God, you know, the the entity, the supreme being, you know, really isn't in the physical. The physical is a complete projection, uh, an emanation, uh, which has different forms. But by the word it's meant, this has been called by saints and masters and mystic adepts throughout time. It's been called the sound current, uh, the kama in Islam, um, the audible life stream. This is really the creative power, uh, the, the Holy Ghost. Uh, the Greeks called it Logos. Actually, I believe word is um, is a translation of the word Logos. So we, we we wouldn't be alive if it weren't uh, for the word. So, so that is really the focus of my meditation. Um, you know, I luckily I was found by a teacher who, who connected me in an initiation to the word, and the, the the word takes on different uh, sounds and lights. Uh, the higher you go, the more you realize your your spirituality. It's the most. It makes everything in this world completely insipid. Once you really get a taste of that celestial melody, um, that's really what you want. You'd want to do all day long. Um, 
so that's that's really what my focus is is for people who really um want to exist on the highest plane possible ultimately and it really took me many lives to to get here and i was searching and searching but i had the great good fortune to meet a realized master two lives ago when i was a british banker and i was assigned uh, to bombay which is now called mumbai <clears throat> And I described this in my book, uh, In Search of Lost Lives, which is my memoir. So once I, I met that master, it was like, you know, like, I mean, if you had a time machine and you could go back and, and meet Christ, uh, would you do that? Um, I think uh, everybody oh, would. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah I, 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 I've actually I've, I've met Christ in this life, but oh, um, uh, okay. I would certainly go back to that life, it, but I don't think I would recognize the importance of Christ then. I do now. Oh, oh, right. Well, obviously, <laughs> there were hordes of people who did not recognize who Christ was. No, uh, unfortunately, not then. no. Um, yeah, um, but I was thoroughly touched, and that really put my search uh, in in high drive. Now, you know. I think a lot of your listeners we could call seekers, and I've always said that being a seeker after the truth is really the highest calling, uh, at, at least, if not one of the highest callings. And yes, by you're right, yes. And by uh, searching, you know, for God. I mean, we all. It's it's really. It's not like. We don't have God. You know, we, we're really an expression of God and we have God within us. And really, you can evoke the presence of God within you and around you um, just just by being in touch. And in a new now, I, I give some guidance in, in that regard. You know, Michael, you just made me realize why I have such a block against meditating. Oh really? Well, I think it, it. I think I see it as self-indulgent to spend so much time going inward. I I think it. I think I see that. I think I feel as if I'm supposed to devote my time to helping others, and that feels like devoting time to helping myself. Isn't that? I think that's why. I think I. I think I see it as selfish. Isn't that strange? It, well, it isn't strange at all. That's often uh, what. what uh, some people say, really, by helping yourself, you can help better people. Now, your your dharma this lifetime, you know, your your duty may be mainly focused on helping other people. I think so. But I think that's you just maybe see that. But really, meditating um, is the least selfish thing you do. Now, really, anyone really uh, can meditate and still fulfill all of their duties. Um, and and you know be a good human being and provide for themselves and their family. But but meditation I would really think so. I, I mean I want to say that. I want to think that I do want to think that because I think it's a healthy thing to do. Right. Well, um, go back to my book. I mean the book is designed really as a lifelong companion. Um, I'm. I'm remembering the, the wisdom of discipline, the wisdom of attention. Um, 
you know, the wisdom of priority, the wisdom of love, and and the final wisdom I write about is the wisdom of seeking God. So, um, I mean, if you've just been two minutes, like two minutes, this is my time focusing as best I can with God of how I can serve you best. I think that would be very valuable. And it wouldn't be, it'd be the opposite of being selfish, Roberta. I would hope so. Yes, I would think so. But I think yeah. that's and, my block. That's and, a, and it's a foolish block, but I think that's what it is. It's it's like re it's like recharging yourself to better help people. I mean, if it weren't for my meditation, I still would be writing articles about how to save on taxes. What a terrible thought. Okay. What what? I'm sorry, what a terrible thought. Yeah, that's an awful idea. Yeah. Well, well, no, actually, uh, you know, income taxes um, are not writing about income taxes and spirituality are are have their similarities. I mean, oh my, the Internal Revenue Code is sort of like um, is one of the hardest things to master. Um, and what I really enjoyed was making this incomprehensible, ridiculous set of laws and statutes. <laughs> comprehensible to people. Oh my goodness. And and really guiding them through all the gray areas. I mean, tax is the least thing pretty much that's black and white. Um so I I did a lot of, of writing about taxes in that professional life, but I kept my creative writing life uh alive because ever since I landed in England, um I for my junior year abroad as a fellow of the history department at UC Berkeley. As soon as I landed there, I started to write an experimental novel, and I knew I wanted to be a novelist. So I forget what tangent I took off on. <laughs> you, you were trying <laughs> so hard to escape the tax code, clearly. Right, which which I really enjoyed. I mean, I used to resent uh, being an accountant because I thought, you know, I spent all my weekends writing reports and 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 papers oh, while kids were playing point. to end up as a tax accountant was going on. <laughs> but it, you know, it was a decent way to make a living. And I and I found ways to do, you know, writing in whatever position I had. Uh and then when I was self-employed, I it was the all my best clients came to me through my tax articles. So it really, uh, and it really helped prepare me for writing about spirituality because it's so important to to clarify. Uh, it, it's really, in its own way, an amorphous subject. I mean, spirit. I mean, you really have three basic substances if you really want to break it down. You you have matter, you have mind, and you have spirit. Yes, true. So we're we're an amalgamation of all three. You know, our, our spirit is our soul, which is why we're alive. That animates us. Uh, we we go about in the world with our mind, which is subject to all kinds of caprices and, you know, which are desires. Um, you know, we, we have what I call our desire minds, uh, and, and they're very individual. And, of course, we have a body, which uh, goes through all kinds of stuff. And... 
All the time we're creating actions which beget reactions. We're really here because we have a destiny. Now, I'm going to mention a word that a lot of people may be tired of hearing or don't want to hear, but we're really here because of the karmas we've created in past lives, which have given rise to our destinies, the good actions and bad actions. Um, and from this huge storehouse of karmas, um, our pralab karmas are formed, and pralab is Sanskrit for destiny. So you have a destiny to go through, um, which is you know pretty much written. But how you respond to it, um, you know, how you express yourself as a good, enlightened human being—that's what the key is. Well, I mean, I just can't imagine how such a spiritual man ever ended up choosing to go into tax work. Well, to, to that's, really, that. that's really an interesting comment because I never chose it. Uh, it chose you. Chose, well, I, I think, no, really, uh, God chose it for me because I went back to England to visit a fiancé and, and meet my spiritual group Uh after my senior year, year at UC Berkeley. And while I was at Berkeley, there was an experimental program for people to qualify for government jobs uh, if you had a really high grade point average. And I just had a feeling I should, you know, spend a few minutes and I completed the application because I had a feeling I might need it. Well, when I came back from England, I was in the red. I had a negative net worth. I, I came back on a Sunday. Monday, there was a letter from the government inviting me for a job. And I went in. The supervisors loved me. And I was hired. And I really had no choice but to, <laughs> no, because, but to take right. the job. I, need, I needed, yeah. you know, I didn't want to live at home anymore because um, the TV was on all the time. I wanted to meditate. Oh, yeah. And it yeah. was just, you, I couldn't get away from the television. And after a year or so in the San Francisco office, I picked up a file which had been transferred from the Office of International Operations, which was sort of the, 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 the foreign service branch of the Internal Revenue. And I had to work a case, you know, that I hadn't been trained for. And I called the supervisor back in D.C. and we really hit it off. And all of a sudden I felt myself asking do you have any positions open? And she said, yes, we just had one open. Why don't I fly you out here? So I was like the youngest person ever to enter the Office of International Operations. And I led the good life and, you know, auditing Americans overseas and giving lectures and talks about um, taxes. And then I had a tour uh, around the world and uh, answering questions, and people would line up for blocks. It was like the only time during the year, during the tax season, that people uh, could get to see an IRS person. So I had a, a good time uh, in the international field, and then I went into business by my by myself. But getting back to your, um, you know, your our discussion about meditation, um, that is the. You know, I, I wouldn't want to live if it weren't for my meditation, to be honest. But that's that's who I am. Um, 
you know, what a new now does is really, I feel, guide you to becoming the best you you can be. Uh, the last chapter is called a new, a new You. And if you really kind of go with the book and work with it, uh, you will become a new person, I guarantee it. Um, now, I, some people really like to journal or take notes. On my website, which is simply goddard.com, G-O-D-D-A-R-T, um, think of God and then dart.com. Under free media, I have what's called a journey journal, and it's simply a Word document you can download. And you can take notes or observations or lists uh, in that as you read the book, because I've read a lot of different self-help, personal growth, and spiritual books. And it's like a few days later, I have no idea what I've read. I don't really retain <laughs> it. You that, know, I, That's a common problem, I think. It's a common problem. So to help people really keep what they've mastered, what they've learned, where they want to be headed, all the insights that come to them, I've created this very simple journey journal, which empowers people to do with it as you see fit. Really, that's 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 a good tool for people. Yeah, it's a wonderful tool. I mean, I was just talking a minute ago about having a destiny. We each have a destiny to go through, uh, and for some of us, it's pretty wild. But the point I want to make now is that we don't really have to be at the effect of our destiny. One of my favorite wisdoms I write about is the wisdom of grooming. And I write about physical grooming, emotional and psychological grooming, and most important, I write about spiritual grooming. And I, in that uh, wisdom, I, I really give people four options of how to proceed with their life. Um, and it really, I think, helps people focus on why they're here and what they want to do with their life for the rest of their life. And you know, that could be 15 years from now or 20. Now, I, I mean, I had a, 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 during COVID, I was invited back to my old book club, which I hadn't been a member of for 19 years, because we are now meeting on Zoom. And I became, I, I made a new friend who we, we really resonated uh, well together. And, um, he eventually, you know, uh, bought a place in Palm Springs and we would get together. Anyway, we had plans to go to a museum in January, and that had to be postponed because uh, of the sale of his home wasn't happening uh, when it was supposed to. And then we had plans to go to a different museum in February, and we talked for an hour uh, a couple of weeks before that. And then that weekend, he was out on a bike ride. And he was completely demolished. I mean, his head was severed from his spine. It's just a horrible horror. Goodness. I mean, it was just it was just one of those few deaths. I've had a lot of friends die all kinds of ways, all kinds of times. But this really kind of threw me, partly because we were just really getting to know each other and we had so many common interests. You know, we could talk about art and books, uh, that yeah. type of thing. But it was just such a shock. Um, and, it, you know, and he was such a careful person. He had a helmet. 
and he was driving. I mean, I'm glad not to be in Palm Springs anymore because there were a lot of wild drivers and there were, you know, a number of times I saw drivers fall asleep at the wheel, you know, the older drivers who really shouldn't have been driving. So um, that was a big loss. And it really drove home the point that you don't know when you're going to go. And and that's why I, I really was... Uh, and am grateful that I got to write this, that I was meant to write this, to really help people and empower people to make the best use of their lives. Because the thing people, um, we we don't know, to me, this is sort of the uh, thousand pound weight <laughs> hanging over you. Uh, and I'm just being perfectly honest with the way I understand the laws of existence. And that point is that we don't know what actions we've committed in the past. The first life, and I know you wanted to talk about my lives in other planets at some point, Roberta, but the first life... We'll just have to have you back and we'll talk about those. Things. Because I think you in particular, because of all your wonderful work, you you would enjoy hearing about all the fascinating professions I and my parents had on my other two planets. Uh, The humanity (laughs) there was way more involved. We were really uh, involved very much with helping people on the the mental plane. But getting back to my point, which I think I just (laughs) remembered, is that we don't know what actions we committed in the past and what we're going to have to pay off. I mean... um, I, I've gone through extremely heavy physical karma this lifetime. Luckily, I, I haven't wanted to access, you know, why I had to go through it. But um, 12 years ago, um, no, actually, um, 11 years ago, um, my intestine died. I had what, what the surgeon called a complete heart attack, but of the intestine. But it had oh, been building... Word. It had been building throughout my life. When I was 18, I started having, if I was tired, if I drank too much cold liquid before I ate, um, I couldn't digest the food. And then around midnight or one in the morning, I would start vomiting. And I would be vomiting eight to 10 times over the entire night until five or six in the morning. And this kind of went on with increasing frequency throughout my life. Well, as it happened, I had an an appendectomy when I was uh, 12, and that scar tissue was growing. And it eventually, it overtook my small intestine and killed uh, a great part of it. And uh, finally, I I couldn't, um, finally, it, it just completely shut down. It died. So I don't know what I did or what different things, I, what actions I took in the past life. But something caused that, you know, it was a reaction. But getting back to my first, um, I would have, I've one, one thing I, I want to mention, just tipping into uh, the past life book a little bit, is that uh, part of the subtitle is the word sanskaras, which is Sanskrit for impressions from past lives. And I've always loved reading, you know, about international events. And my ber- my major at Berkeley was going to be international relations. Um, 
I just loved it. I, I took a course as a freshman from one of the top people in the country. But um, I went out for the exchange program and they couldn't place me because they had no sister school with that kind of program. And that's when I got a call from the chair of the history department. And he said, I've looked at your record and I think actually you're, you're meant to be a history major and we just happen to have a place uh, for you in England. And I said, well, that sounds good. So getting back to my point, I've always had a fascination with international relations. And I always think, you know, if I were the leader, I, it's like I automatically take the place of the leader and what I would do if, if I was the president, if I was the dictator. Uh, and of course, it's always, you know, being a good dictator. But the first life I discovered, I recovered uh, from another planet, I was reading mystical poetry. And it came through to me in a huge rush that I was a ruler of a country on my second planet. And I had started an unnecessary war that killed over 260,000 men, women, and children. I was afraid we were going to be, it was a really a fairly, a fairly peaceful planet, the planet Zine, but I was concerned we were going to be invaded uh, by a somewhat more powerful country. So I wanted to show how strong we were and how powerful we were. So I invaded the smaller countries, somewhat smaller, and, you know, had our armed forces wreak havoc. Well, <laughs> That was a yeah. screw up, you know. I think that was a pretty serious screw up. I must tell you that that was that was so major. Uh, <clears throat> not only did I lose my human life, I didn't come back as an animal, as I did, you know, quite a few times. That took me to <laughs> oh, what I would call a a a place of reformation, and the the common term for that is hell. So I went to a a. a bespoke held something perfectly tailored for me and I underwent you know indescribable suffering for what seemed like an eternity uh and it still didn't pay off all the bad karma I created so but that is a sanskara because I don't read the local news I still mainly read the international news because this was like a note what I call a notable life which I explained in the book what that is I think Oprah is a perfect example of somebody leading a, a notable life, um, or maybe Kate Blanchett. Um, but this, this is this explains very much who I am. I mean, when I was seven, I started doing architecture, uh, drawing residential floor plans and drawing elevations and designing and building little houses out of balsa wood for my HO train. Well, very quickly, three lives ago, I was an architect in Baltimore uh, right after the revolution. And to support my family, we had four children. I I uh, got commercial commissions. I designed businesses, you know, commercial buildings. And I had this really strong engaging desire. I wanted to design houses and I never got to design one. So that desire came with me and it loomed and blossomed in this life. So, I mean, out of the blue at age seven, I started doing architecture. When we moved to San Francisco area to Marin County, 
by then I had quite a good portfolio. And when I was 10, I sent in the portfolio. I heard that Frank Lloyd Wright had an office in the city. (laughs) And I sent him the portfolio. And lo and behold, the head architect invited me in for for an interview. And I went in with my mother. And he said he was very impressed. He said, when you finish high school, I want you to come back because there will be a job waiting for you. Wow. So that was... Yeah, that that was wonderful. Uh, and it was, you know, I felt great about it. And then I immediately lost interest because yeah. it wasn't part of my search. Yeah. So getting back to being seeking, uh, you, you really, you know, we're each individuals, we're, we're part of, we're really part and parcel of God. But I want to encourage people to really to to discover what their individual path is. It may not be meditating two and a half hours a day. It may not be meditating at all. But, you know, you are here to, to, to be the best you you can be. And I think I really have the conviction that a new now can help you do that. Well, there, there's, it certainly is a book of discovery. It's a book to help people to discover. That's for certain. Um and I enjoyed it very much. I, I I was looking forward to reading it on the plane, as I say. That just did not happen, unfortunately. In my regular life, I have very little time for reading. But um, right. But I, you, Michael's website is godart.com, G-O-D-D-A-R-T.com. It'll be in the materials, so you don't have to drive off the road to write it down most people most people tell me they listen to us while we're while they're driving or while they're exercising so that was why I had to say that but um Michael what do you most want our listeners to take away from our conversation well I mean you you are um uh, a son or daughter or non-binary um of of God and this is your this is your opportunity to awaken and and realize gosh states of consciousness that are are blissful and wonderful and and to grow in your your love i mean we really are expressions of god's love but it's just a question of realization and it's all there and it's all possible and it's all before you yes er- everything is possible and and this is your chance to go for it. Well, Michael, consider yourself hugged. It's so good to chat with you. It really is. Oh, thank you. I'm hugging you back and, and all the listeners out there, too. And everyone, we've once again come to the end of our time together. I enjoy this so much. I really enjoy I enjoy all our listeners. That Michael, I've really enjoyed talking with you. And this has been this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm so happy you could be with us today. Please never forget you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began, you never will end. And when you get what that means, when you really get it, it changes everything in your life for the better. Next week our guest will be Mark Gober, and he'll be with us for the seventh time. Now, if you've been a longtime Seek Reality listener, you know we never never touch politics, never, not ever, 100%, never. But the most courageous and downright righteous human being I know is Mark Gober. And wherever he goes with a book, you know, I'm probably going to read that book. And so I did read his most recent book, which is called An End to the Upside Down Reset. 
the leftist vision for society under the Great Reset and how it can fool caring people into supporting harmful causes. I read it, and we've discussed every one of Mark's other books on Sikh reality, so I've decided we're we're going to, because of its humanitarian slant, we're going to discuss this one too, and here we go. So please join Mark and me next week. We're, we're going to give this one a try. This week we've been talking with Michael Goddard, and he, as you can see, is a very interesting guy. He's been with us for the second time. Many more people now than ever before have been talking about spiritual growth with us, and much more seriously. And I think Michael has written the definitive handbook on his personal spiritual growth, and he has written it in a way that it's accessible for anybody. He's been working on this since he was in his 20s. He's extremely bright, and I think that if he can manage to meditate, by golly, I should be able to meditate. And and I think I discovered today why I can't do it. I think I, I see it as something that it's that's selfish. It isn't selfish. It's something that's food and drink, and I should be trying harder. His book is called A New Now, Your Guide to Mastering Wisdom Daily, Achieving Equilibrium, and Empowering Your Nobler Self. He may have me meditating yet. We'll see. <laughs> But his book is terrific. It's a great handbook for people who want to go down the wisdom path toward deeper and higher spiritual growth. So I recommend it to everyone. And now it's time once again to mention that Seek Reality Online is your one-stop resource for all things death and the afterlife. Just go to SeekReality.com and start to learn for yourself that your own reality really is, really is eternal. And teachingsbyjesus.com is your single resource for all the beautiful divine truths that are brought to us in perfect love by the greatest teacher who ever lived, Master Jesus, the eternally risen Christ. Now it really is Jesus' turn. It's about time, wouldn't you think? As Christianity, the religion dies at last. The genuine teachings of Jesus can finally come alive. Teachingsbyjesus.com is the Lord's own religion-free, entirely religion-free website made by him in perfect love for you. Now, as I'm sure you know, my nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. For young children, there's The Fun of Meeting Jesus, and you can order all these books through bookstores or on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. And all the adult books but the last one are also available as audiobooks. If you want to talk about anything at all, you always can contact me through the green contact block on robertagrimes.com. I answer everybody's emails. Just The only problem is if you give me the wrong email address, it bounces, and that makes me sad, and I hate to be sad. So please make sure you give me your correct email address. Past episodes of Seek Reality are available wherever podcasts are found. And many people tell me they just listen each week through the Seek Reality app that you can find for free wherever free apps are available. And meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy. Please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, always knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you most of all in this entire universe, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. 
Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything. 